0: Hey, Uncommon Leaders, welcome back. This is the Uncommon Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Gallagher. Is there a change you've been wanting to make this year as a part of your goals? Are you feeling stuck? Well, my guest today is here to share a story to help you out. BJ Thompson is a speaker, author, and executive director for the relationship nonprofit Build a Better Us. Over the past 20 years, he has helped tens of thousands of people all over the world experience growth, and in his newly released book, He shows us how it is possible to unlock mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual wholeness with four simple steps. BJ also outlines a little bit of his personal story on today's podcast and challenges us to apply his lessons to your story. You're going to enjoy hearing from BJ, so let's get started. BJ Thompson, welcome to the Uncommon Leader Podcast. It's so great to have you as a guest. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, John. DJ, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Before we jump into the real reason, which is to talk about your book that's just recently come out, I want to push the question on you that I always ask all first-time guests on the Uncommon Leader podcast, and that's to tell our listeners a story from your youth that still impacts who you are as a person and a leader today. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's a great question. I have tons of stories. So I am a Dallas native, not a cowboy fan or hater. My mother had me at the age of 17. My father left school in the 10th grade. I grew up in you know, a very aging environment where there were tons of gangs, volatility, all types of things. And what I realized is it just taught me a lot of resilience, right? So people talk about their origins and backgrounds and stories and what it has taught them now and how they carry those principles in everyday life. One of the stories that sticks out in my mind very early on I don't know if I've told this story in a book just yet. It's when I learned how to make a decision to not run from issues. OK, so I'm walking home and this kid who I know who's down the street, for whatever reason, I guess I just looked like I was a snack for the day or prey for the day. And John, he, he commences to throw punches on my head. OK. I fall down to the ground. You know, I may have been six, seven years old. I don't remember why we were tussling because, you know, it didn't take anything growing up. I grew up in a Nintendo age. So I grew up pre-internet, the Nintendo hand, Duck Hunt, Atari. I grew up in that era of like Super
0: Mario Brothers, man. That's, That's right.
1: That's right. No Wi-Fi, no Google. If you want to learn something, you got to go to the good old library, get a punch card, and you sit there and you comb through facts and then you scan a copy of things, right? And so I'm just walking down the street, minding my own business, and I get into this tussle with this kid. Well, he, you know, he beats me up pretty bad, you know, according to that, you know, age or genre, right? You just feel those punches in your head. And so I sprint down the, down the street to my, my grandmother's house, which we were living in at the time, run into the house, and I'm hiding behind a couch. Okay. And I am terrified because this kid lives a couple of houses down he's whipped my tail and I'm now I'm hiding. Well, my uncle walks in and sees me hiding. And he goes, "What are you doing?" And I say, "Brett just beat me up, <laughs> Brett. Like the kid outside just like whipped me." My uncle looks at me. He looks at my hiding place and he says, "Stand up right now and go back outside." So I walk outside. This is a true story. He looks down the street, scans left and right, and he says, Brad, come down here right now. <laughs> and John, I am in full shock. I cannot believe this is happening because I, again, I'm, I'm already 0 and 1 right now, right? Never imagined I would fight this kid. And within less than 30 minutes now, he is calling this kid, this bully back down to the house to the front yard. And Brett walks down the street, smiling, smirking, and then he says, "Y'all going to run that back." Okay. <laughs> now, needless to say, <laughs> needless to say, I left that day one for one. Okay. Mm. Right. And I just tell you what it taught me. It taught me that I when I when, when life hits you hard, and it knocks you down, you have two choices. You have the opportunity to turn and confront that thing and continue to go forward, or you can try to hide from your problems, hide mm. from your deficit, hide from your issues, and hope that they disappear, and they never do. So yeah, that's my childhood story, John.
0: So you, you made that, well, and you had some help with that choice. I did. Yeah, I did. I, did. I was not made. trying to be helped. You had that. a voice that was there for you to say, we're not going to let this happen again. I love that as a situation because he could have done something else, right? He could have tried battle that for you. So that was quite a wise uh, sage, your uncle there to help you out. Say, no, 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 you're not going to run from this. You may end up 0-2 again. That's right. But you're not going <laughs> to run from it. And you're not going right. to go. And that's, that's the challenge with fear right and overcoming fear is that even having courage to do something is not the absence of fear but it's recognizing that there is a fear and that we overcome that fear and do something about it that's that's courage it doesn't always have to be as you say in the form of fight yeah. but my guess is uh how you've had to go through life you've had to run uh to many things and not run from other things in terms of situations i mean as leaders we're always faced with challenges and dealing with you know our own behaviors but also in behaviors of employees and things like that that we have Absolutely. to address can't be afraid of it. So, no, I appreciate that. And those are, you know, those stories as kids, as, you know, the bully coming up there, they That's can right. be famous. They can grow every once in a while as well. And I'm not saying that this one is, but I always love those because I've got my own stories of having to overcome that. And I think there's a lot of that. I mean, as I've read through your book as much as I have, i am not read through the entire book yet. Your book's titled Awaken a Better You Four mm-hmm. Simple Steps to Create the Life You Want. And I'm really looking forward to talking about this today and learning even a little bit more about you, BJ, but your book is full of stories. And that's what I really love about that. With regards to the book and your life journey and where it was, you know, the actual process of of bringing this book out today, why was this the right time for you to write Awaken a Better You? And what do you want the reader to take from it when they read it? It's a great question. You know, so
1: I kind of tell in, in my journey. So growing up with a mother who had me at 17, you know, again, it's that sounds like a very shocking number when you are listening, but it's more impactful for a child to have a teenage mother, right? Right. And a dad who left school in the 10th grade. I, you know, my daughter, I have a daughter at, right now, she's 19 years old. And I'll never forget looking at her at 16 and thinking, my mother was this age when she mm. was pregnant,
0: mm.
1: right? When well, my daughter was 17 years old. I remember looking at her and distinctly thinking to myself, My mother was 17 years old when she had me. And then I looked at my daughter's skill sets, her awareness, uh, her competency, her self-governance, all these different things. And I thought, what could she possibly give a child? Right. And I thought my mother was this age in this season when she had me. And so, so much of what I've learned and what, what I had to learn, I realized that if I just moved an hour away, again, this is kind of where my first awakening moment happened. I graduated from high school and moved an hour away to the University of North Texas. And I realized that almost nothing that I had learned up until that point translated just down Mm -hmm. the road, right? And so that was my first awakening or my first realization that I needed to awaken, right? It was like, Mm -hmm. here are these students, people from different backgrounds Rural, urban, suburban, private school, homeschool, all these different backgrounds. They some look like me, some of them don't look like me. And yet they're far more advanced and equipped for the challenges that are in front of them. And I'm grossly in a deficit, right? And so my awakening moment when I what my initial awakening moment was realizing, man, I don't even have the life skills to compete. I don't have the competency, the awareness, I don't have a plan, a strategy, I don't know what to do with myself. Fast forward, you know, after starting a significant movement that's influenced millions of people growing in my own constant, discovering that I was a coach. I didn't even know that's what I was. I just knew people, every time they would ask me this question, like, how did you grow? And to know this, I would write another sheet of paper and I would say, well, this is what I think I did. They would take it. They would come back and they would say, oh my God, that worked. Right. That's when I discovered I was a mm-hmm. coach. Had no idea what a coach was, right? Because we didn't have that. We didn't have have conversations about being entrepreneurs or being coached unless you were in a sport, okay? And, you know, as I began to do this in all these different environments from all people from all walks of life, again, rural, urban, suburban, you know, faith, non-faith, corporate, all these different things. After getting to about more than 10,000 people, I started seeing, man, this is starting to overgrow itself. Right. And so the book was really me just trying to capture some of these transcendent principles that I was seeing happening, no matter if you were applying them to your mental, physical, spiritual or emotional or professional life, that these were transcendent principles. And I knew that it was the right time because we were actually starting to move out of this kind of like disintegrated society where people stop believing the illusion of you know, the American dream and then things just magically happen. And then we're all divided. And now we're trying to figure out how to bring ourselves together. And I said, what if I could give people clues? Mm. What if I could give them the breadcrumbs? And so I just began to write and I started to capture my thoughts on paper.
0: BJ, I love that. The clues, the breadcrumbs. Again, realizing when you get somebody that comes back to you that says, hey, that made sense. That really worked for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's when you discover your purpose, right? I mean, that's really cool how yeah. that happens. Like, oh, this must be something I'm pretty good at. That's what can right. I use it for and share it with others? I wanna, I'm going to come back to the book, but you said something that really intrigued me that I read a little bit about you as well, that I want to dive or want to understand a little bit better. You said this movement that you started that impacted millions. This and I believe it was called the 116 movement. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that movement and what that was. And again, huge. even how that story has impacted your life too. Yeah,
1: huge. So one of my first awakenings was was in my faith. And my first awakening was not in my career, it was in my faith. And, you know, I had a very abrupt um experience in the faith all was like very supernatural experience. But really what it did was it gave me a new reference point, new North Star, right? Started recognizing that people are not best awakened by, you know, pointing you to another person, right? People are great as leaders, but they suck in terms of like the totality of purpose, (laughs) right? And so I started, you know, I wanted to give back, you know, that philanthropy, wanted to give back to others became a real priority. So I talked with a friend who said, man, I have this opportunity to serve in a juvenile facility. And he said, do you want to take it? And I was like, well, sure. I'd love to go and serve these kids, about 40 kids in a facility. Went to the barbershop, shared with another friend. I said, man, I'd love to work at this place. Would you want to go with me? He said, absolutely, would love to go. So we drive 20 minutes away to a place called Roanoke, Texas. And we work in a place called McFadden Ranch. 40 kids. This is the first time I had ever spoken publicly. And this is the first time he's ever really done music. And so we just kind of go for the next four years speaking, doing music, and trying to create something that's meaningful for these kids who are, you know, in the system, trying to get out of juvenile, trying to get back to a restored life. Four years later, he looks at me and says, BJ, I want to do like a little CD. This is prior to the iPod and the Spotify (laughs) world. Yeah, there's no Apple iTunes like a CD, like an actual little disc (laughs) pop in. Right. And he says, I want to do this. I said, well, let's do it. Two years later, that little CD went platinum. And all of a sudden we went from influencing 40 people in a room to millions of people across the world. That's how dramatic it was. That's how, you know, life altering things were. And this is really where I discovered, you know, I, my, my, um, my view of life started to change, my expansive understanding of life because I was being exposed, not just to my small town or small community or just this kind of like private sector. I was being exposed to the world. And this is truly where I learned that I was a coach.
0: I love that because and what you also identified too, inside of that, what I hear is the importance of the relationship too. I mean, that's what you like. You took you took somebody with you. That's right. You had an ask, you took somebody with you, and it went from 40. And it multiplied as a part of that relationship to million. I love that story in terms of understanding that could have tried to take the 40 and it would have been very effective for those forty students I'm sure on the ranch. right and you didn't need all the credit or any of the credit you pulled somebody else with you to help you out and to to make that even bigger. I love that great story thank you for sharing okay I'm coming back to the book. something you said in the book several times and again, as I read through it, I sort of pick up on keywords here, but when I was in the conclusion. You used the term "exercise your agency" or "practicing agency" a few times. Tell me what that is. What does it mean to exercise your agency?
1: It's absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you just think about this. You seen the movie The Matrix? Yes. It's agents, right? It's someone who has control. Okay. Oftentimes, we come from all sorts of backgrounds, right? Again, I, and I use myself and my background very strategically. Again, I grew up in South Dallas and poverty, all of these great challenges, where you feel like life is already preset. It's already, it's going to be what it's going to be. Whatever the outcomes that are at the end of this, they are just your outcomes. And what I had to realize is that I did have a level of control, right? It doesn't matter where I grew up at. It didn't matter how challenging my background. I still had control over my everyday decisions, and so agency really means that you do have control, right? No one's controlling what you eat for breakfast. No one's controlling what you watch on television. Nobody's controlling the books you read or what you don't have. You get to make decisions in your life and take back agency. Well, the difficult thing about having agency, and this is why the awakening movement is so important. Because remember, you're, excuse me, as you hear me talk about this it sounds like I'm talking about my story, right? And really in actuality, I'm talking about our shared story. And I'm using my story as kind of the extreme, right? My story is very extreme. I grew up under ducking bullets. I grew up ducking bullies. I grew up ducking ass whoopings. Like I grew up <laughs> ducking all these different things in the most challenging, despair circumstances to show you exactly what I did to sidestep each one, each iteration, racism, sexism, classism. I'm showing you exactly what I did to sidestep. It doesn't mean that those things are not true. It just means that I took agency or control over what I could control in order to become the person I always wanted to be. And so what I have to encourage people, because we're in this new era, man, where everyone is acknowledging their trauma for the first time. Right. And so, you know, you, you go from the World War event and the Vietnam, mm. you know, snap it off. What's wrong with your head, your yeah. foot? Just cut it off. Get your scissors right. and cut it off. Right. And there's no feelings. It's a stoic thing. We've gone from that to everybody's talking about the trauma. Everyone is dealing with the anxiety. Everyone is struggling with, you know, microaggressions It's all these different things. And and what happens is when you feed too much into it, you actually lose your agency Hmm. because what you start to say is, it's what happened to me, not what happened for me. And it doesn't mean that those things are not real, right? Again, this is what the awakening moment is like. I am acknowledging that racism is real. Sexism is real. Classism is real. All of these things are real. We are not trying to diminish, belittle, or be insensitive to them What I'm saying is taking your agency means that you believe more about your control over your own life than you do the limitations that are preset by society. And that's what it means to take back agency, John.
0: BJ, I appreciate that. I could almost finish on that and just repeat those (laughs) those four minutes of that answer in terms of agency and recognizing that we have more control than we realize. You're exactly right. I mean, too often, I'm going to generalize here, but too often people act as victims in the circumstances that they're in rather than taking control of what they have control over. uh, I make that happen. So thank you for sharing that. And actually, you know, really, while I started with the conclusion inside the book, it leads into, to me, uh, how you overcome that, how you take control. And you talk about these four simple steps. So realize I still want everybody to, to view, you don't have time to talk about all four of them, but what are the four simple steps and believe me, as I read through them, simple does not necessarily indicate easy, but what are those four simple steps to awakening a better you?
1: Absolutely. So the one, first and foremost, this is what we call the awakening movement. There's a there's a historical moment called the Great Awakening happened in the early 1900s. And it's when people started to look around and know that they can make a new decision. Something new could be birthed out. And so what I'm inviting people into, John, is more than just reading a book, I'm inviting him into a movement. I'm not just saying, you know, because I'm starting to get these reviews, right? So people are reading it and they're reviewing it and they're saying, oh, this is written well and I think it could be this and it can be that, right? What I'm actually saying to them is like, oh, no, I didn't just write that so you could read it and review it. I actually wrote it so you could read it and apply it. Mm -hmm. And if you read it and apply it, that's where you get the awakening. You don't get the awakening by... Thinking that it's a cool thought, right? And the reason why it's worked is because it's been tested in more than 10,000 people in real life. Again, come out of the background, I come out of it's hard to like BS because you come out of a, such a straight shooter, straightforward environment where if you're good at it, it's going to show. If you're not, you're going to quickly be shown to be an imposter, right? And so, the listening audience, if you're listening to this, this is what I want you to hear. These four simple steps are not just four simple steps. These are the, is the process for you transcending and experiencing transformation in any area of life, whether it's emotional, physical, sexual, financial, spiritual. This does not matter. If you do, if you hear and you practice these steps, they will work for you in any area of life. So let me just kind of go through them. First and foremost... The first step is desperation. You have to first make a decision. Okay. A lot of us like to talk our way out of an ass whooping. We like to talk our way out of doing something, right? We'd like to, mm-hmm. it's like we like to spill our way because we're trying to look more intelligent than what we are. And then when you get around people that do, they're not fooled by it. Mm-hmm. They're going to ask you smart goal questions. They're going to ask you metric questions because they can see you have not taken a step. So the first thing is, before you get any more information, you have to be desperate and you have to make a decision. You have to decide in your mind right now, there's a saying in coaching, if you want to take the island, burn the boats, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So if I want to actually take this island. If I want to be a best-selling author, a speaker, one of the best and brightest coaches in the world. I have to leave no room for a second option.
0: Can't go back. Can't, no, That's it. Op, no other option. Yep.
1: That's it. That's right. So the first thing is you have to decide. The second thing is, the second phase of this is you have to have right information. Okay. Doesn't matter how much you've made a decision. If you have bad information, you will go nowhere. Okay. And this is oftentimes where a lot of discouragement comes in. We end up in places of discouragement of effort because we tried really hard because the process that we are attempting has no proof of concept, right? So it's super simple, right? You wouldn't ask athletic advice from somebody who doesn't play athletics at a high level. You would not ask financial advice from a person that is homeless. You wouldn't ask executive advice from a person that doesn't run or own a company. We have to find mature models of people who are doing the things that we're seeking to do and to do it every day. And they fully understand the process in the implications of it. And so right information is going and doing the research, mm-hmm. right? So I'm saying if you have a process for developing a large audience in a podcast, you won't be the only one with that information. There's seven billion other people on this planet. And that means that there's going to be other individuals that are going to give me similar Phases of what a successful process entails. Now, maybe there's some variations. Maybe you give a certain type of nuance, but the framework is going to be consistent because it's all based off of a plan and process. So you need right information. Okay. The third phase of the transformation process is practical application. Okay. You have to be able to take what you can do. And apply the parts of it to your life. So let's just say you're trying to lose 50 pounds. And one of your goals is to, you've done the research. And now you want to work out 45 minutes a day. But your schedule really doesn't allow you to work out 45 minutes a day. What you'll have to do in order to engage the process is you'll have to modify it specifically to what you can do in that practical application Maybe you can't do 45, but maybe you can do 15, right? Mm-hmm. And see, now you're still able to engage this process, but it's in a way that you can practically apply it. I want to put a pin here real quick because I know somebody's listening right now and they're saying, oh my gosh, this dude is like a preacher, right? And I kind of <laughs> went to the <laughs> been in this school. I've done a lot of that, right? But this is what I want to tell you. When you join the awakening movement, it's not driven by shame or guilt. It has to be driven by love.
0: Mm. Right?
1: You have to love yourself in this process because you're being displaced in a lot of ways. You're being you're moving to a place you've never been before. And it's very scary. And shame can be there and guilt can be there waiting on you, right? So when you mess up and you don't do the thing and you miss out on the exercise and you don't talk to your program... You have to be motivated by love, okay? And this is what allows us to continue to try and to modify. Again, you try to lose 50 pounds. You can't do the 45 minutes. That could be crushing to your ego. That could be crushing to your self-confidence. Or you can say, I'm already worthy enough. And all I need to do is modify this in a way that fits my actual schedule so that I can practically move forward. The last phase is the transformation phase and the awakening. The transformation phase is when we see the results of the things that we have desired to do. Here's the only caveat. You have to be careful because this is the, t- the stage where we're tempted to self-sabotage, right? It's like, okay, I wrote the book, got published, I'm in Target, I'm in Noble, I've been this. And now as I'm building my career to become a more visible speaker... I'm tempted to self-sabotage. I'm tempted to go back. You know, you ever heard the phrase, better the devil you know than the one you don't, Oof. right? Mm-hmm. And it's just the idea that I would rather default back to the things I'm comfortable with than to embrace or to press into the things that I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with, but are my desires fully. So that's the transformation process for those who listen.
0: BJ, I'm my- hands getting tired from taking notes. I don't want to say, I got better better to the devil, you know, uh, than the one you don't. Absolutely. Right. In terms of going through. And again, I, I appreciate you going through those four steps and, and talking about the areas that it works in emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually. It works. BG. I think folks are going to find some value in this book. And, and what I really value inside the book of me going through it is, again, the stories that are attached to it. There are stories about your clients as well that are in there. And they're transformation stories. There's your stories. You mentioned it's not about you. It's about the reader that's going to feel it when they they have this as well. So I think people are going to be excited to have this book. And we're coming up on our time. So I'll ask you, where is the best place for them to go to find your book, BJ, as well as to find you and learn more about you? It's a great question. So you want to join the awakening movement? One, the book is available everywhere.
1: You can go to Walmart, Target, Barnes and Noble, Christian bookstores everywhere. But you can find me at bj-thompson.com. I also have a free online conference that we did beginning of the year, and so you can check that out and just watch. I bring on a NBA, NFL players, Grammy award winners, speakers, directors. I bring them all in a room, and I ask them questions about leadership development and inspiration. Uh, and transformation. So that's one of the things you can do. And then the, the, also what you can do is you can find me on social media at BJ116 on Twitter, at BJThompson116 on Instagram. But I'm very accessible. I try to make myself very accessible. But my desire ultimately is to bring people into this awakening movement. Again, we all we already have everything we need. You just need to know how to use it so you can become the transformed person that you've always known you could be.
0: Beautiful. Well, I will put all those links in the show notes, BJ, so that folks can get in touch. I wish you the best on the book launch. And I appreciate you investing the time with us today. I'm going to give you the last word. And I give that last word, the same I give to all my guests first time on, is I'm going to give you a billboard anywhere you want to put it. High traffic area. You can go right down into Dallas if you want to, Mm where people are going to go buy it all the time. You can put anything you want to on that billboard. What does it say and why?
1: Mm -hmm. So my billboard would go. Probably in downtown town square, Times square. And it would say this, you have everything you already need. You simply need to understand the process to awaken you.
0: Amen. BJ, I enjoyed our conversation today. I know the Same. listeners are going to enjoy it. Hope we can stay in touch going forward and best wishes to you on this book launch. Okay. Hope it goes Thank great. You so much. I look forward to seeing the next one as well. I heard you. The next one's coming. All Number right. two, working right, All right now. BJ Thompson, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, John. I really enjoyed that interview. I sure hope you did too. BJ said it best when he said this transformation began when, quote, I stopped allowing my circumstances to dictate my life. You have everything you need. You simply need to understand the process to awakening you, unquote. BJ's four steps to the outline, desperation, information, application, and transformation. They are simple steps, but make no mistake, they're not easy. Nothing worth having is easy, though. That's all for today's episode of the Uncommon Leader Podcast. Now, one of the things that helps this podcast is reviews from you, the listener. Now, that review can help you out as well. So do this for me. Take the time to write a review on Apple Podcast. Then take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at john at growingchampions.net. If you do that, I'll send you a link to set up a free 30-minute coaching call to see if coaching with me may be a good fit for you or your company. Thanks for listening in today to the Uncommon Leader Podcast and making it part of your personal development journey. Please take just a minute to share this podcast with that someone you know that you thought of when you heard this episode. Until next time, go and grow champions.